Hello, welcome to the Richard Herring podcast feed powered by ACAST Plus. Thanks so much for listening to these. Do tell your friends if you enjoy them. The Can I Have My Ball Back Tour is back on the road this week. We're in London on the 7th in the Bloomsbury Theatre and Leicester Square Theatre on the 9th. I've got quite a lot of tickets to sell for both of those, so if you're in London, please come along. Then the 13th in Cambridge, few tickets left for that one. Uh, Leicester on the 14th, Leeds on the 15th. Uh, Salford on the 16th, Newcastle on the 17th, which is sold out on the website, but I think there might be a few more tickets to release. Uh, So do come along if you want to see me talk about my balls and one of them not being here anymore. It's a very funny show. Four star reviews in the Telegraph and the Standard. Um, Anyway, look, let's sit back, relax and enjoy another fantastic podcast from Richard Herring, the genius podcaster. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome to another Retro As It Occurs To Me. This is Series 2, Episode 2 from the 24th of May 2010. Over a decade has passed, and yet you know what? I listened to some of this and it holds up okay, I can't believe it. (laughs) I don't remember any of it. I hope you're enjoying these. Just by listening to these, you're helping us finally pay the cast and also contribute to Heckle the Virus. The Just Giving campaign to help comedians. Um, you can help us by becoming a badger at gofasterstrike.com slash badges. You get all kinds of extras, including a membership pack and badges and access to all the backstage videos and lots of other extras in your secret area and my stand-up shows. And you get entered into a monthly draw as well. Come on, finally make the plunge if you can. If you can't afford to, don't worry. That's why we keep everything free. And just by listening and listening to the ads, you are helping us raise some money anyway. So let's sit back, relax, and enjoy As It Occurs To Me from 10 Years Ago, My Fine Friends. As it occurs to me, as it occurs to me, as it occurs to me. And please welcome the man it's all occurred to, Richard Herring. The voice of a spider on school's TV in about 1993. But the tape went wrong and they had to record it with someone else doing it. So, hello! And welcome to another episode of the show that all the funky monkeys are calling AI Otima! That's right, it's the internet stand-up and sketch show about what's happened to me or things I've thought about in the preceding seven days that I write on the Sunday, record on the Monday and make available to download on the Tunday. As I'm renaming Tuesday in order to create a catchy advertising slogan for the show. Yeah, fuck you, Chew. Why should why should you still have a day named after you? No one remembers you or knows who you are or what you did and would have to look you up on Wikipedia to discover you were the old English god of law and war, the British version of the Norse god Tyr or the proto-Germanic god Taiwaz. Which means in proto-Germania, Tuesday is Taiwaz day. Tuesday is Taiwaz, never a day to miss cost. Tuesday is Taiwaz day. Now, if the show was run, um, if this show was run by a committee of executives, someone would probably have said, 
Rich, do you think it's wise to do a joke that depends on the audience knowing about an obscure proto-Germanic god and also being aware of the theme tune to the 1970s children's TV show, Tears Wars? I do think it's wise. I think it is an extremely funny joke. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at this Venn diagram, you'll see that the subset of the set of people who know the names of proto-Germanic gods, I've called them A here, with the set of people aware of the theme tune of the 1970s kids show, Tears Wars. What have you called that? Them B. B. Uh, that subset is tiny. Yeah, and in fact, from our focus groups, most people don't know about either proto and Germanic gods or Tiswas's theme. So on the Venn diagram, where's their, the well, circle of? Well, they're, I mean, well, they're represented by the set E, which is everything outside of the two name sets A and B. Thus, requires no circle of its own. Yeah, I mean, and just in case you think this meeting might be worth turning into a sketch, <laughs> I should add that the subset of people who know about proto-Germanic gods, 1970s children's TV theme tunes and Venn diagrams. <laughs> That's even smaller still. I don't care, comedy executives. I don't obey your rules. I think out there somewhere is one student of proto-Germanic gods who also loved Tiswas as a kid and who likes jokes about Venn diagrams who is laughing their head off right now. And when it comes to AI Ottoman, AI Ottoman. it's more important to have one person laughing a lot than everyone one laughing a bit, which turns out it's quite fortunate yeah, that we have it, that yeah. policy. It's, uh, it's that maverick attitude, coupled with the fact that you write overlong sketches about subjects no one could be interested in. That's the reason you're never going to get back on the telly. Please, please let me be on the telly. I just want to be on the telly. I'll do anything to be on the telly. Will you drop the two as day joke? And the ensuing three-minute sketch about the fictional executive meeting about the joke? I'm sorry. I can't. I, I have too much integrity. To do. I owe it to that one man in the tiny intersection in those three sets. To you keep it. and your pointless principles, Herring. Let's get Paddy McGuinness instead. Seriously, though, why are we allowing one of our days? There are only seven of them. Why are we naming after Chew? At least call it Jesus Day or Allah Day and name it after a current made-up god, not some, not some Anglo-Saxon failed one. I hate Chew. He is a cunt. <laughs> It occurs to me He wrote the script on Sunday Recorded it on Monday Made available to download on Tunday And you can listen to it on one day Or Sunday or Funday or Saturday Yeah Now, now you just... Uh... You're just taking the piss there, Christa. Unlike the nonentity t- two, uh, Woden, Thor, Frigg and Saturn deserve days named after them, especially Frigg. Uh, she, she had to put up a lot of name-calling uh, through, her, through her life. Though it would be cool if Friday was called Fun Day, wouldn't it? That would be, I'd quite like that. Though it would be confusing if Thursday was called Fun Day. So I was thinking, yeah, you and me should maybe go out. Oh, that'd be nice. Are you free on Thunday? Thunday? No, Thunday. Sunday? No, Thunday. Oh, Thunday. No, Thunday. Monday, Thunday, one day, Thunday. Thunday. Sorry, were you agreeing Thunday or continuing the progression saying Thunday? No, I was saying Thunday. Oh, right. Look, I want to meet on Thunday, TH Thunday, what Mm. used to be called Thursday. Right. It'd make it a lot easier if you just went back to the old system. Why did they even change it? Well, I looked up on Wikipedia and it was for a jingle for an obscure internet comedy show. Oh, well, um, if nothing else, now we know who most of the days of the week are named after. Uh, if you're wondering, Sunday and Monday were named after those oldest of gods, the sun and the moon. There. We're, we're laughing and learning tonight. Mainly learning in this section. I notice. But let's take advantage of this hiatus to introduce you to our Sony Award losing actors, whose voices you just heard in that hilarious Sunday fun day sketch, and amazingly also in the executive sketch, the same... Actors, it's incredible, isn't it? The way the range is Dan Tetzel, TV's Emma Kennedy, and also doing the jingles and the guitar, Christian Riley! Hello, good evening, and welcome. How do you, um, Hello. Hello. How do you do that with the different, how do you come up with the different voices for the different Well, you know, it's just, it's just magic, Richard. I don't want to, I don't want to pull the curtain back. I don't want to pull the curtain back too far. Why have you got that a curtain around the top of your trousers? Um, anyway, Dad, Wizard of Oz. Do um, you uh, have any funny stories about that's happened to you this week? Well, last week I left this show here, yeah. where we were playing to about this size of audience, and uh, I went to my house in Hammersmith, my home, my flat, where I live, you know, with uh, my family, 
And uh, there was thousands of people pouring out of the station. And I realised it was the flight of the Concords gig at the Apollo. Oh, my God, Rich. There were were thousands of them. They were were attractive, and some of them were women. And and none of them had to send off for their T-shirts. They just bought them from a shop. But, you know, it was... It was a different world. It was just a different world. <laughs> One day. I've, uh, I've actually worked with the Flight of the Concourse. Yeah. yeah, I was in the, the original radio series. I played Brett's girlfriend. That was a lovely job. And <laughs> uh, um, which bit of the American series were you in? No, I wasn't in that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anything um, <laughs> that guy, that guy, <laughs> uh, Brett, he lent me his guitar once. Did he? Actually, yeah, Edinburgh Festival. Is it, is, that, is it the guitar you've got yeah, now? That's right. <laughs> It'd yeah. be worth a lot yeah, of money. It's a lucky guitar. <laughs> is that, I met you right after I got it. Yeah, enough talking about Flight of the Concords. <laughs> uh, very good, though, wasn't it? Yeah, they're very, Stuart, very good. Stuart Lee told me last night they copied off some other band from the 1980s in New Zealand anyway. I wish I could remember the name. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I really like Flight of the Concords as well. I don't know, I just admitted that. Never mind. Um, uh, Christ, have you got any um, stories for us? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Have you been lying in alcoholic oh. stupor all week? That's right. Yeah, good, good oh, man. Well, uh, it's good to know. <laughs> He's been writing a lot of very difficult jingles uh, over he the has. last two hours. Yeah, we'll I give them to that. him very late. I have to say. Uh, we'll anything happened to you, Emma? Yes, uh, I uh, I've been doing uh, some. Uh, I'm writing the follow up to Tent the Bucket and Me, uh, which is going to be set in 1989, and it's about when I was in America and, and I was trying to get from San Francisco to New York, and the, the original plan. Uh, was that I was going to go to New York, uh, sorry, go to San Francisco and work there for three months and then make my way over to New York. But the way it turned out, because I didn't have a job to go to when I was there, and it was all a bit of a disaster, and it took me three months to actually get a job, and I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's, and I was desperate, and I was with my best friend. And um, uh, I, I should explain before I get to the, this point that, that, that the best friend I was with, she's, she's given me the diary that she kept during uh, that time, which I've been using extensively. And we, uh, we're absolutely desperate at this point. Bear in mind, we've, we haven't had any work for three months. We've got no money. I think between us, in our pockets, we've got about $15. We're absolutely desperate. And we saw this um, English fish and chip shop in San Francisco. And we thought, well, of course they're going to want some English girls to work there. We know about fish and chips. We know everything there is to know about fish and chips. Of course they're going to want us. They didn't. Um, and there was this bowl next to uh, the door. And as I was leaving, a, a fortune cookies, and I took two. And <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about this. But um, the, the, the two fortune cookies that we broke open, the, the, the little strips inside, were stuck into my friend's uh, diary. And I read them for the first time since 1989. And hers was something like, you know, you have, you have extreme physical prowess. And mine was, bad luck and misfortune will haunt you for all eternity. Thank you, Emma. Uh, you mawkish sperm gargler, I forgot to say earlier. Uh, anyway, um... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. 
Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. You guys, you may remember that last week I offered to hire each of you out for £85.12 a day to any listener with a cold, hard cash. Yeah. Uh, this, as you may be aware, led to some problems with a News of the World journalist. I would just um, like to point out that none of the cast had any idea that Richard Herring was accepting money in order to get us work. Well, <laughs> you were on stage when I said no. it. You were yeah, right here. But even so, yeah. Weekly had no idea what was going on. And I want to make it clear right now that Prince Andrew knew nothing about it at all. He is whiter than white. He's a prince of England. Why would he need a cut of £85.12? pence? He wouldn't. That's the answer. He wouldn't. He He just definitely wouldn't. Prince Andrew was never going to get any of that £85.12. pence. It's clear he's innocent in this and knew nothing about it at all. In any case, as it happened, we got absolutely no interest in hiring any of you out. What? Even as common whores. What? On a more positive note, we didn't get any trouble from the CPS for my repeated claims I was going to blow Robin Hood Airport sky high, so clearly the CPS don't listen to this podcast, so if any terrorists want to give a kind of gentlemanly warning about their next atrocity, then do get in touch for just uh, £85.12. pence. We will give a vague indication of roughly where and when your next attack will take place. And will Prince Andrew get any of that money? Oh, God, no, no. No, He's a a, a Prince of England. There's no suggestion. I want to make it clear that he would take money from a podcast that was offering a vague warning scheme to potential terrorists. His his hands are clean on this one. Uh, He wouldn't do that. Uh, Anyway, it's been a very uh, hard week. This is actually, as I mentioned before uh, to the audience, is my fourth podcast in four days. I've been falling asleep on my sofa in the afternoon. I'm very tired. I've been stretched. I'm not saying I've been spreading myself too thin. I've been spreading myself too thin. So what is coming up is a look at at my week in what essentially is going to be free-form jazz because I didn't really have time to write this page. When you check out on the website, you'll see when I put the script up, there's just nothing on this page. (laughs) There's nothing. So let's see what comes up. That, that is what we're on now. That's it. So let's go, Emma. Have it. <laughs> remember to say, you need to know which days you're going to say. I remember. Sunday. Right, the, uh, <laughs> the worst day of my career so far, when I was drinking a coffee outside Euston Station, and a man came up to me and said, excuse me, are you Andrew Collins? <laughs> I wanted to shout at him, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm seeing, you know, I felt. <laughs> not yet, it's not that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wanted to shout at him, no, I'm not Andrew Collins. I'm not, I'm no one's Andrew Collins. It's not that then he gave me a Cafe Nero card with one stamp on it, which kind of made me a tramp worth one ninth of the price of a cup of coffee, which still I was more upset by being mistaken for Andrew Collins. Fun day. Uh, I discovered on fun day uh, that uh, men who eat one sausage a day are 20% more likely to get colon cancer uh, just by eating one, which is great news uh, for me because I've always been too scared to appear brave and sexy by going on a motorbike or becoming a soldier or getting to fights and stuff. But now all I have to do is rush up to a woman, stuff five sausages in my mouth and eat them and say, I've got a 100% chance of colon cancer now. How do you like that? Pretty sexy, baby. And all the women will be right after me, I'm telling you. Sunday. I tuned in to the last 30 minutes of BBC One's prolonged free advert for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, and I think he gets paid for it as well. That's even better. Let's imagine getting an advert that you get paid for. Yeah, over the rainbow. I'm, I'm quite annoyed because I haven't seen any of this series before. And I realised I was watching, I put it on uh, the red button, you could put the words up, and I was singing along. And I'd been, I wish I'd had, a, I'd have been quite a good Dorothy, I think. I mean, it, <laughs> I think they should open up to 42-year-old fat men. It's otherwise... It's not fair. Uh, in the, if you don't know if you saw it, Danielle, who I don't know who she was because I hadn't watched it before, beat Sophie, who I didn't know. If anything, Sophie was slightly more attractive than Dan. If I'd had, if I'd had to get a blowjob off one of them, I'd have gone for Sophie. She looked dirtier than Danielle. Uh, but uh, to be honest, if either of them had come and said, we'll give you a blowjob, I'd have said, all right, yeah, well, give, we'll give it a try and see how it works out. Uh, but, um, 
Danielle, she won, but she reacted to the news that she'd won like it was the most... She just screamed like it was the most unlikely thing that had ever happened in the world. There were only two of them. It was 50-50. I mean, at the best, she's gone, oh, oh, yeah, well, I suppose it was... It was more likely than I was making out there with my... Oh, my God, I believe it! Anyway, that's... Uh, Impro freeform jazz about the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you now. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Fucking just, brilliant. I was waiting for the Wait, big laugh. <laughs> I thought. Uh... <laughs> oh, there it is. Well, it's uh, lucky. Uh, lucky we don't do that on your story of what's happened to you in the week, isn't it? Uh, or we'd be here all day. As it occurs to me. As the first series wore on, it began to get boring. But the first show of series two, it's just awful. It's embarrassing to hear a talent apparently unaware that all wit has left him in this format. I only hope Richard Try something different next week Because the staple scatological sweary repetition Is getting very tired He often says you can't expect something polished Because the show is written fresh Based on the previous week's experience But when the result flips from okay to barely listenable Maybe there is some fault with the Thank you. Um, that was a return to our popular iTunes review section. Uh, that, was, uh, that was only part of quite a long review. Those are the selected highlights from someone called Virgilio Anderson, which is... <laughs> Possibly not his real name. Hoping I'd try something new apart from the scatological swearing stuff I do every week. Hope you enjoyed the change of direction with the stuff about obscene, uh, obscure and obscene uh, proto-Germanic gods, Virgilio. That was for you. Uh, and if you didn't like it, then you're a fucking jizz-gargling motherfucking with a pumpkin full of feces of at least five men on your head. Sunday. Saturday. What a glorious... Saturday. What a... It's confusing. It's a confusing system. I think we should stick with the old... What a glorious weekend of sunshine the United Kingdom has had. And you can imagine how delighted I was that I was going to have to spend Saturday and Sunday indoors trying to write this cack. Uh, it reminded me of those early days of uh, summer days of 1985 when I was inside revising for my A-levels in Cheddar, my books and folders, piled in front of me, gazing out the window at the other kids, the free kids, cycling around in the sunshine, not a care in the world. I envied them their freedom. My mum said to me, Richard, it will be worth it. Those kids may be having fun now, but they aren't as clever as you and won't get the opportunities you'll get. If you do well in these exams, then your world will be your oyster. You'll be able to do anything you like. Yours will be the earth and everything in it, and you'll be able to play in the sunshine for the rest of your days. But my mum was a lying Bobby Robson-faced whore. <laughs> I did really well in those exams, but it just meant I had to go to university where I'd lose more summer days working for exams and then decide to become a comedian, the hardest, most time-consuming job in the world, <laughs> where I'd waste more summer days trying to hastily write Edinburgh shows and stupid weekly topical sketch shows based on my life that fucking strangers don't even like anyway and are bothered to write about on the internet. Whilst those kids who were cycling around back outside back in Cheddar in 1985 didn't get any qualifications and so are still out there, 42 years old, cycling, around in the sunshine untroubled by the ambition that having getting A-levels engenders I, I looked out my window in Shepherd's Bush at all the other Shepherd's Bush men lying around in the street smoking crack and I uh, I envied them that freedom I was so cross I didn't do any work I just stayed inside in my hot house playing Pac-Man on the Google homepage for four hours instead and uh, neither outside or working I lost the both of the best worlds and then I fell asleep uh, 
during uh, Junior Apprentice. I fell asleep on the sofa, which is kind of an odd thing to be half awake, awake and half asleep. Because it's Alan Sugar doing that show to loads of children. It's kind of like, it feels like a dream where he's being rude. Of course, the kid who didn't have any qualifications uh, managed to get through despite being the worst because he obviously reminded Alan Sugar of himself. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and the girl with the A-levels got kicked out. I wish I'd fucking been on The Apprentice when I was a kid. But anyway, uh, then I had an idea. Uh, What if I went to bed on Saturday? I laid out, when I went to bed, I laid out two sets of tiny elf clothes and filled two acorn cups with beer maybe some script writing elves would come and write the show for me and I could go out and drink cider in the sun on Sunday to to be honest uh, making the clothes and finding the acorn cups in the springtime did take up more time than it would have taken to just write the scripts but a plan is a plan I snuck down early Sunday morning and this is what I saw okay now all we have to do is write one more joke and then we can drink a tiny cup of beer. Now, of course, from our perspective, it is a normal cup of beer. Yes. <laughs> then we can whisk back into our elf hole before our benefactor sees us. You hold it right there, tiny elves. Um, sorry, actually, we are normal size for elves. Um, <laughs> if anything, I'm above average elf size. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. No, what, what, sorry, what are your names? I am called Smalley. <laughs> Smally? Yeah, I was small when I was an elf baby when I was named, but then I, you know, I had a growth spurt. Okay. And I am called Titsy. Oh. I like the, uh, like the dwarf. Oh, how dare you? Elves and dwarves are very different. Just because we're small, you think we're alike. Oh, that is so offensive to our people. No, it just there was a dwarf in the last series of that name. That's all. Titsy is an ancient elf name. Yeah. You are Elvis. I'm not Elvis. <laughs> anyway, before... <laughs> Just you know, when he let himself go. Uh, yeah. He's been eating. Haven't had a chance to exercise recently. But before you enjoy those acorn cups of beer, let's have a look at what you've written. Check it's up to the usual high standards that are expected of AI Ottoman. There's some great stuff in here. Yeah, I think this, this joke will confound your expectations. Go on, Titsy. So, so this week, you might have noticed the UK has a new pair of mascots. You're not going to believe where this is going. I think, I think I've got it already, actually. No. I think a double act of strange but identical-looking cartoon-like figures smiling at us inanely, but to which everyone has taken an immediate dislike. Uh, you think she's talking about the new Olympic mascots, don't you? No, I don't really, because just describing the Olympic mascots wouldn't be a joke, would it? Why? So no. The lead-up seems a bit contrived and strange. It seems an odd way of saying this sentence. Indicate to me there's probably a twist coming around that it, it, there won't be any surprise, because I'm expecting the twist. So. Just wait. wait. Okay. They, look, they look like two giant cocks which are about to jizz all over with excitement. Yeah, I think you're in for quite a surprise when you find out. Well, I'm going to guess that it's Cameron and Clegg she's no, talking about. Uh, anything else other than that will, will surprise me. If it isn't that, I will be very surprised. And they've got ridiculous-sounding names. Yeah, one really. is blue and one is orange. Oh, yeah. They're going to lose the country millions of pounds and they'll both be finished and forgotten by 2013. Yeah, it's, cle- it's clever what you've done. Well, you probably think I... Referring to the Olympic mascot. I don't think that. I, I knew from the beginning. But it wasn't in that. fact, I mean David Cameron <laughs> and Nick Clegg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my day! Oh, that is brilliant. Oh. <laughs> See what we've done there, Rich, is we've combined two new stories, effectively satirising both the Olympics and the Liberal Conservative Coalition. I call them the condemnation. Condemnation. Oh, give me, uh, give me the script the you've written there. Just hand that. Just that, that's a good, it's a good description you've written there. Oh, 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 no. That's going in. And give me the acorn cups of beer and the clothes. Oh, They're no. going in the bin. Oh, no, no. I thought you magic script writing elves would weave me an amazing and magical and original script. This is just obvious shit. I didn't think I'd get the hack script writing elves when I put that oh, stuff no. out. There's a lot of competition with the elf script writing stuff. <laughs> You just, you know, for just one acorn cup of beer, what do you expect? Get out of here. Oh, wait, wait. Pathetic. Give us another chance. We could write a sketch about this, about our failure to live up to your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. That'll be postmodern. I'm not yeah. sure. I've already, but I already did one postmodern self-aware sketch at the beginning, analysing the way my sketches are written. I think it might well, be overkill. Yeah, to but do. it could become a theme. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> You're just saying that because you want an acorn cup of beer. You're no, a... no, it's what we really think. Yeah, come on, Tessie. No, no, if this works out, this could be out the break we need. We might get asked to write something for the telly. I just, I, I just want to write for the telly. Please let me write for the All right, all right, let's, let's, I need to fill up some space. Let's give it a go. Oh, it's a deal. Now, I should warn you, though, uh, we're not very good at writing, you know, punchy endings. No, no. we tend to just let things drift, drift off, off. <laughs> and hope we get away with it. Yeah, thanks to, um, <laughs> thanks to Smalley and Titsy there for that wonderful postmodern skit. As it occurs to me, written by else for an acorn cup of beer. Which is way more than the casket paid. <laughs> Tunday. On Tunday, I'd been invited to take part in a discussion about offensiveness in comedy. It was a lively 105-minute debate, and some interesting points were raised by the panel. But ultimately, I couldn't help thinking that by even engaging with the subject, we were pandering to people who get offended by stuff and think that gives them a God-given right to be indignant and complain. I'm a comedian. Part of my job is to say stupid and contentious things. Usually, I've considered my reasons for doing so, uh, and I'm making some kind of brilliant satirical point. But sometimes it's just for the fun of saying something you're not supposed to say, knowing that 95% of people in the world are intelligent enough to understand that, and the other 5% are all child-molesting cockfaces who like to suck off hamsters. <laughs> but by even attempting to vend myself, I, I be- it became a nest state and to become defensive. Uh, whatever I joke about, someone will be offended. On the way home, annoyingly too late for the debate, I came up with quite an interesting analogy for this dilemma uh, and, and what these people are like to help me explore that in quite a postmodern way, keeping with the theme. Will you please welcome the fictional character Michelle Constance ladies and gentlemen yeah hello hello Michelle hello what, so tell us your story well I like 5% of people in northern Europe am lactose intolerant um, to put it simply disaccharides uh, cannot be absorbed through the wall of my small intestine into my bloodstream so in the absence of lactase lactose present in ingested dairy products um, remains uncleaved. Uncleaved, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, sort of passes intact into my colon. Um, no, there's nothing funny about this. It's a very serious concern. Yes, I mean, it leads to the production of copious amounts of gas in, inside me, resulting in stomach cramps, a bloating and flatulence. Flatulence, yeah, it sounds like an awful condition. Which isn't at all funny. No, 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 it isn't. There's, there's nothing funny about flatulence. There is. And uh, it's, uh, it is milk, Richard, that's the cause of all this distress to me, and that is why I've started a campaign to ban and outlaw milk forever. You want to make milk illegal? No, not, not just illegal, Richard. I, I want all of it destroyed, um, burned up in a big fire. Uh, I mean, how can our society allow milk to exist when one in 20 people will become flatulent if, if they consume it, gather up the whorish milk, and, and burn it. Do you really have to burn it? I mean, it's going to smell quite... It's not a fish, it's going to but, smell. You know, it's, it's the only way to get rid of the disgusting milk, Richard, and not just milk, any food stuff containing this white poison, butter, cheese, ice cream... Mini milk? Yes. They would have to go... <laughs> Dairyly dunkers, all go, cheese strings... Yes, they'd all go, yeah. yes. And, and, of course... Milky bars, they Yes, go. they would go, yes. And, of course, yoghurt. No. No, you cannot ban yoghurt. I love yoghurt. No more than the average person, but still. Yeah, but, but if 5% of people in this country ate a yoghurt, then they would become bloated and flatulent. The only course of action to prevent this awful, ga- gassy build-up is to ban milk. Wouldn't it be easier for the 1 in 20 people who are lactose intolerant to just avoid no, all milk? No, no, it wouldn't, because we would know the milk was still out there waiting for us ready to pounce. Cork up the udders, seal up the mammy glands. What if some milk got in our mouths accidentally? How would that happen? How would, it, how would it accidentally... Well... Well, how would it accidentally get in there? Well, there was that time in Milton Keynes. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what if it did? So a bit got in, say, a woman, a lactating woman, accidentally yes. squirted some in your face. Well, that, that did... That, you'd just get a little bit bloated, yes. but it wouldn't be that bad, well, would it? That actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because that did happen once, and <laughs> I had a terrible rash all over my breasts, yeah. and sort of down the rear of... No, That's more than a splash, surely. That. It sounds like 
That sounds like you deliberately courted the milk. You get bloated. That it wouldn't be that bad. Would no, it wouldn't be. No, it, it's not a risk that I'm prepared to take. The only sensible option is to ban all milk. Look, even though 95% of people enjoy milk with no negative consequences. Yes. It's none of your business. They can drink milk, eat products with milk in it, and they, if they wish, they, people can fill up a bath full of yogurt and splash around in it, massaging it into their anal cleft if they want to do that. How dare you taunt me with your milk-based perversions? It, it's so offensive. No, it isn't. Just because you're intolerant, it doesn't mean everyone has to be. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've certainly shown up my stupidity. You're right about everything, Richard Herring. And you're a kind of visionary genius. Yeah, it's uh, it like a clever satirical attack on uh, general intolerance through the use of lactose intolerance. That's a call, if you will, to live and let live, to show tolerance to everyone. Ironically, I realised during the course of writing that sketch that I actually fucking hate the lactose intolerant. Uh, they're the scum of the earth and should be wiped out. Uh, if you can't digest milk properly, it's the most basic food stuff on earth, then I don't think there's any place for you here. You should go. You should either be killed or chemically castrated and so you can't pass this thing on to their future generations and uh, then be kept in cages in zoos where you're force-fed milk and then get bloated and fart and belch for the amusement of small milk-tolerant children and anyone going into that zoo will have to drink some milk to prove they can tolerate milk so that none of the the kind of freakish (laughs) milk... I haven't really thought that bit through. Anyway, hunt down the lactose intolerant, stop them breeding, or we might have to live in a future world where the lactose intolerant rule over us in a planet of the lactose intolerant. Stop the norm, stop us eating yogurts. Go for it, Billy. As it occurs to me, we are champions of tolerance. We can tolerate anything except for the lactose intolerant. If you can't digest lactation, we don't want you in this nation. This is a land of milk and honey, and if you can't drink milk, then that's not funny. You will only be able to eat honey, like some kind of intolerant bee. Intolerant bee. Your laws do not apply to me If the juice of a mammary Makes you bloat and get all stammery If the produce of an udder Makes you fart and shudder Then as far as I'm concerned You and your children should be spurned I don't want to change the world I'm not looking for New England I'm just looking for another girl who can tolerate lactic acid? I am the milkman of human kindness. I will leave you an extra pint and force you to drink it, you lactose intolerant fascist scum. Billy Brack, Billy Brack, that was actually Billy Brack. That was it. Sunday. After my sixth music show with Andrew Collins, we both headed down to Broadcasting House to join the crowd protesting against the ridiculous closure of this inexpensive and unique station that only a boneheaded, tiny cocked cretin with breath that smelt of rancid clams could think of closing down. Especially whilst their corporation is still making crap like coming of age. I mean, I... Anyway, I sometimes, uh, I sometimes think that a wheelie bin full of chicken feet and seaweed would be better at running the BBC than that fucking idiot Mark Thompson. Though, um, thanks to him and his minions for agreeing to allow me to, allow me to do my eight, uh, Radio 4 uh, series in the autumn. Thanks for that. Anyway, it was, uh, it was a sunny day and a carnival atmosphere, and Andrew and me actually got to address the crowd. Tiny Andrew Collings, though, seemed agitated. <laughs> That was a good show, Andrew. My favourite bit uh, this week was when I said jism, uh, but nobody except you noticed. That was my no, favourite no, bit. No, shut up, Richard. I'm not your friend. Hey. We have a working relationship. I, I don't want to have to talk to you off air. Oh, oh look, there's, there's Ed Byrne from the mobile phone ad. Hello, Ed. Hello. <laughs> He's my real friend. Him, Adam Buxton, Jarvis Cocker... Kiefer Sutherland. Not your friend, you've met him. No, a man from inside the gorilla suit in the mighty boots. Proper famous people. I'm sorry, I'm not famous Stop enough for you. 
Don't mess this up today, Richard, today. It's very important we save six music. We have to save six music. I need this. I mean, Britain needs this. I, I agree, Andrew, but there's loads of supporters here. There's a good chance of us making a difference. You don't have to get so agitated. You have to save six music. Don't you understand? We have to save... Stop grabbing at me. You're hurting me. What's wrong? So our next speakers have made the six music Saturday morning slot their own, of course, until Adam and Joe want to come back, that is. Uh, it's Richard Herring and Tiny. Andrew Collins! Hey. Hey. Hello! Hey. Hello, fans! Yeah, it's me, Andrew Collins! I about to say, oh yeah, brilliant, it's Andrew Collins! He's my favourite... Di- OK, now, come on, hush down now, people in the crowd saying all that about me. It isn't about me, Andrew Collins, even though, you know, you'll have heard me sitting in for various pregnant DJs at 4am <laughs> over the last five or six months, you know, but... Come on, now, at this point, you know, I, I, I want to scotch the rumours that I, I've been going round to the Six Music DJ's houses with a turkey baster and, you know, I'm trying to artificially impregnate them so that I can deputise for them. That is n- not true at all. That is a libel. I have not been doing that. And the sticky substance that Sean Keaveney found over his... <laughs> found over his anus. No, come on. Was probably ectoplasm <laughs> from a ghost. A sight. It wasn't. It was my creamy spoon. <laughs> oh. Watered down like a like a pill. Oh. Andrew, uh, I, we're doing. <laughs> what are you doing? We should talk about six. I know. I know. I know. Oh God! Shut up, Richard. This isn't about you, it's about six music. Anyway, I love six music. Aside, I don't. I think it's shit. And it's the only place I get to hear the less commercial music that I love. Aside, I don't even like that music. It's all guitars. I really like Cheryl Cole and the X Factor singles. And it is for the re- those reasons and no other reasons that I think we should save six music. Aside, no it isn't. I only want to save it because it's the only radio station that will employ me. And if, if it stops, I'll have no money to spend on homeopathic medicine. And duck whores. Andrew, I keep mentioning this to you. Um, when you just say aside... Yeah. That doesn't stop people hearing you. Oh. They can still hear the six music fans, though they're becoming agitated. Aboo! Ah, oh, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you, six music listeners. Oh, you're just a bunch of stupid 40 something nerds that should grow up and listen to Radio 2 like you're supposed to. I'm only using you to further my career. I'm ruthlessly ambitious, like Patrick Barber or Peter Kane. I will not stop until I've achieved my ultimate dream of presenting a Channel 5 show where drunken insomniac viewers gamble on roulette watching the ball spinning round. Watching the ball spinning round. Listening, listening to the ball spin, spinning round there, John. Yeah, only I'm allowed to do that, oh. Andrew. And also, I broke the CD last week, so it doesn't, oh. doesn't exist anymore. And I don't care who I have to step on to make my dreams come true. Aside... All you six music friends have... Oh, shit, I've done it the wrong way around. A boo! six music down! No, uh, Andrew Collings was just joking there. <laughs> uh, he's not really an egotistical monster obsessed with fame and famous people above all else. That is a libel that is not true. He's just a down-to-earth Northampton, Northampton. boy who knows he got lucky. Uh, he's delighted with even the pathetically small listenerships he gets. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was a funny joke. It's one of my, my funny DJ characters, Mr. Angry. <laughs> Save six music, really. Hooray for Tiny Andrew Collins! Seriously, please, save it. I need this, please. I'll do anything, anything. I won a Sony Award in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let six music die, or I shall most surely die with it. <laughs> <laughs> As it occurs to me, a stream of consciousness pouring into a river of shit. So, anyway, it's time to go and meet our audience. If I can see them a little bit better, that would help me to weed out the people who are clearly not uh, capable of speaking live uh, on a podcast, as live uh, on a podcast. So, yes, uh, to find out if anything exciting or funny has happened to anyone here tonight, put your hand up if that's you, if you've got a funny story. Yes, right over here, straight away, sir. I got too much sun. 
weekend. Yeah, you got too much time at the weekend. I never have weird head scabs. And you've got weird head scabs. <laughs> yeah, that's you've got weird head scabs. That's probably uh, skin cancer. You're probably going to die. But it's good we're having a laugh about it. It's good that we can laugh. Go and get that checked out. You'll probably be all right. Wear a hat next time. Uh, so good. Um, good to know anyone else. Are you still drunk now? Yeah, it's good. Uh, he still is. What's your name, sir? Dave. Dave, that's Dave there. Big shout out to Dave, who has got drunk and got the sun on his head like a proper Englishman. Uh, anyone else? What? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you know what you are. Who's got the stone of school? No, it's Oh, it's in Scotland. Uh, yes, hello. You walked into a flat that you share with people. That's a good start, because this story could have gone on. I walked into a flat where I was, didn't belong. I saw some wonderful things. What, and yes, what happened next? I went to the kitchen, and one of my flatmates was generally watching porn on his laptop yeah. and laughing at the screen. <laughs> he went to the kitchen where one of his flatmates was warning, watching porn in the kitchen on a laptop and laughing at the porn. Yeah, everyone was having dinner. Yeah. Did he expect you to join in with him in this? Is this what the laugh was? It was the laugh like ah, or was it? Ah, come on in to the kitchen. Look at, look at what I've got under the table. He wanted you to join in with the spectacle. And did you join in with him? Or is that him next to you? You went to your room and cried. <laughs> this is a good example of the kind of story that we probably shouldn't be telling on the podcast. Is he, what's your flatmate's name? Efrain. Efrain? Oh, nice. What's his last name? (laughs) (laughs) You're leaving the flat. I didn't hear what it was. Efrain Lopez, probably it was. So there we go. Probably, eh? Spanish, eh? Do you hate them? Do you hate them? Yeah, you racist. Um, (laughs) Anyone else got an amusing story? We've got plenty of time. Hello, sir. Oh, you got christened you didn't know and you're a ca- your great your great grandma Nelly. Nelly. Uh, christened you and you're a Catholic. What did you think you were, sir? Atheist. You thought you were an atheist. <laughs> they don't you don't really get that. You're not allowed. They don't christen you for that. <laughs> so uh <laughs> But you know, it's quite good to get to adulthood not realising you were a Catholic, because it means you didn't have to meet any of the priests at any point on the way. <laughs> On the way up, so you'll be one of the rare unscarred Catholics. Stuff. You could become a priest and meet. Oh dear, it's, it's, it's just in their. Oh dear, he said, could I become a priest and meet young boys? It's just in their blood. That's it. The minute you're in that font and you believe that the, the, that wine is really some blood rather than metaphorical, that's it. You just beca- you become a paedophile, and I don't care. I don't care if anyone disagrees with that. I don't care if anyone's offended by that generalisation that all Catholics are paedophiles. <laughs> anyone else got a story? We'll go for one or two more, maybe. We'll see. Has anyone got something extraordinary happened? Hello, sir, right at the end. Um, I saw your doppelganger attacking a bus. You saw my doppelganger <laughs> attacking a bus? It was me. <laughs> was it Nick Frost or was it... Uh... Charlie Borman. You saw actually Charlie Borman attacking a bus. There were some school children taunting a builder who looked exactly like you, and then he started to, got out of his car and started attacking the bus. Wow. So a man who looks like me who's a builder. <laughs> it wasn't me, it just wasn't. I wouldn't ever attack a bus full of children. Well, that's quite a good story. Are you. Are you sure that happened? Is that, was that in sleepy time or in real time that happened? in Knightsbridge on the bus a builder in Knightsbridge who looks like me attacked a bus full of children did he kill any of the children did they he kicked the size of the bus that's what I'd do if I was like I wonder what they said if any of those children are listening or the builder we could get him in see how much he looks like me if you're the builder who looks like me do uh, write in we'll get you on next week one, one more non-mentally ill thing from the from the audience. So we've got one more. And we've got a nice story. Just something nice that's happened to them. I promise I won't take the piss out of you. Hello, yes. I finished my degree today. You finished your degree today? This is how you've celebrated. What's your degree in? Drama. In drama. Just drama. Yeah. yeah, that's just going just drama. That's kind of the recognition that it's a worthless piece. You know, the day, 
The day I finished my degree, and this is true, uh, TV's Emma Kennedy, she was called Emma Williams in those days, uh, she uh, brought, came to the, uh, the, the school where we'd done, we'd done the exams, and most people brought a bottle of champagne, that's a nice thing to do, because you have a bit of champagne, it's kind of fun. She brought a bottle of whiskey, a big bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Which, and we finished like 5.30. I then proceeded to drink three quarters of the bottle of whiskey plus some champagne in the next two hours. Uh, and then I found myself in the college toilet, sitting on the toilet and, and puking onto the floor. <laughs> just there was a big sea of puke in front of me. And I just knew I should be in the toilet, but I'd sort of sat down to throw up on the floor. Uh, and then I kind of went, I nearly went for a curry after doing that to drink some more. Something in me, some little voice in me said, um, go home, go home, Rich. And I woke up the most hungover I've ever been. And I think I was probably, you know, minutes away from death at that point, thanks to Emma Kennedy. So uh, I hope something similar happens to you tonight. What you did, you came to see a poorly worked out stand-up and sketch show. Are you going to get drunk later on? No. No. You're going home? Was there an exam? Did you all just have to get up and go, I'm a tree? Uh, Just that... You've blocked it out. Yeah. Do you, what do you think you've passed? Yeah. It's hard to fail, isn't it? I'm saying, <laughs> I'm not being rude. I mean, I did history. It's, you know, that's difficult. But um... <laughs> pardon? Well, I got a two-one in uh, modern history from Oxford University, and uh, I was so—I uh, didn't do any work at all, so I must be really clever. I was so disgusted that I managed to get that good a degree that I've refused to go and pick it up. I am the most famous graduate in the United Kingdom. That is someone who has graduated but not yet picked up their degree. We're laughing and learning tonight, aren't we? Man, it's May still learning, learning. Yeah, I went to Oxford. What, you got a problem with it? Uh, so, um, anyway, good. Now, that's really killed the atmosphere. Um, yes, I am very clever. What, do you prefer to just go around pretending I'm a fucking idiot all the time? Is that what you want? Yeah. yeah. I am. I just I went out with some girls and some girls who had very good notes. I was very clever. I was like uh, Gigolo. Yeah. He thinks... No, did you... <laughs> he didn't have one fucking girl. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I went into their flat and just went through their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's happened to you, Emma? Any, any well, more stories? Well, uh, uh, my attention was drawn to the fact that somebody wrote a message in your guest book, Richard, oh, yes. uh, making a request for a poo-based anecdote from me. <laughs> because it's been that too has, long. Has, it's been too long uh, <laughs> since I gave a poo-based anecdote. <laughs> and um, I, by hap- sheer happen chance this week, I've got one. Yeah. yeah. So I was at a dinner party and I happened to find myself sitting next to Agneta from Abba's Next Door Neighbour. and of course you know you're never going to be in this situation again so I just I just went straight for the jugular and I asked the question that I think we all wanted to ask which is is it true about Agneta and her stalker and the bucket of poo and for those of you who don't know this story Agneta from ABBA, who's the blonde one for those of you who aren't ABBA aficionados she, she went a bit weird and, you know, after the band split up and she became a bit of a recluse. So much so that she actually started going out with her own stalker, which, you know, you'd like to think, wouldn't you, if you've got friends, that they'd say, you know, he's your stalker, don't, don't go out with him, that's, that's not what you should do. But she did, she went out with him for 18 months. And then, obviously, they split up because she obviously came to her senses and realised that he was a weird stalker. But then he carried on stalking her for another two years. And the police were involved and they went round to his house and he had buckets of her poo that he'd been saving up. And this... And so I said to this man who's called Freddie, I said, Freddie, you know, I've heard this story. Is it true? And he went... Oh, yes. And that is my poo-based anecdote. Celebrity poo. The poo of a celebrity. 
How did he get the poo? Did she give it willingly, or was it? I don't know. I because they live on a weird ar- archipelago. Do you say archipelago, or is it yeah, archipelago? How, how do you pronounce that word? Archipelago, where I think like you know the sewage system is a bit. He could pick out the ones. That <laughs> he could pick out. He could pick that out the best. Mine. Yeah. Did he just give her a lot of sweet yeah. corn every knowing day? Knowing me, so yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't eat it. No, knowing not. me, knowing Super poo. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I missed it, Dan. I'll listen to it. I said super pooper. That's what I said. <laughs> I'll listen back. You didn't have to say it again. I'll just listen back to the podcast. I won't. I don't listen to it. Shit. Uh, anyway, let's. Um, Christian Riley has written an amusing song for us like Barbara Dixon. So will you please welcome Christian Riley? <laughs> Following this news story about uh, you know, Barack Obama cancelled NASA's plan to build a space station on the moon and put the money somewhere else. Buzz Aldrin thinks it's a good idea. Neil Armstrong thinks it's a bad idea. But nobody's asked the important question. What does poet, campaigner and godfather of political rap music, Gil Scott Heron, think? <laughs> I pay my taxes like everyone else and Whitey is not on the moon. Surely he should be on Mars by now, but Whitey is not even on the moon. We can put a black man in the White House, but we can't put one little Whitey on the moon. Just don't seem right. I bust my ass, filing and paying my tax for what? So Whitey could just go to the moon a couple of times and then say, well, that's it for my white ass. I done been to the moon. Ain't no sense going any further. It's getting a little bit cold out here. And my stomach grows tired of all this Whitey space food. Fuck that. Get yourself to outer space. Blast up out of my face. Hubble telescope always be broken. Space shuttles always exploding. And if all that crap weren't enough, when I look around, why do you bounce when you should be at a countdown? Why can't he bend the space-time continuum yet? Get as far away from me as he can get. Seek out new life and new civilizations to oppress. But oh no, Whitey can't even be fucked dragging his cracker ass out of the command module and doing one goddamn little Whitey spacewalk these days. Why don't you take one giant leap for black mankind and get your white behind to the moon? Whitey is not on the moon. Sunday. Uh, last night, I was doing my monthly gig at the Lyric Hammersmith along with Rufus Hound, Rich Hall and Stuart Lee, who uh, I'd revealed some pretty interesting secrets about in the first half of this show, which are only available to people who bought tickets to come and see us live. So come on down. We're doing shows here at the Les Square Theatre for the next four weeks and then at the Bloomsbury on the 28th of June and 5th of July. Uh, while we're plugging stuff to Londoners, you can come and see me doing a reading from my new book, How Not to Grow Up, at Waterstones on Gower Street on Wednesday. Uh, anyway, the gig last night had been fun. Uh, that was a great gig, uh, Stu. Well done. Yeah, thanks, Rich. I love the way um, <laughs> I love the way you just repeated the same word over yeah. and over again for forty minutes with just a slightly different inflection. That is brilliant. Uh, you deserve to be voted the twelfth best comedian of all time. Where did you come in the list of best comedians? Uh, the um, I think they. <laughs> They decided to take my name off the list to give the other comedians a chance. Right. Yeah. Your act's brilliant, though. I think the only thing that could improve it is for a short, plumpish man to run on, maybe wearing a big daddy costume or something, and then to say some actual jokes and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I'll definitely give that some thought, maybe, after my next TV series. I wish I was on TV. Mm. What, what are you up to these days? Oh, well, I'm doing a podcast. It's like uh, the new television, but better. Um... <laughs> Would you like would you like to be on my podcast sometime? No, no, I would not. <laughs> Andrew Collins really wanted to be on it. Yeah, yeah. Well we've all got our Andrew Collins, haven't we? You know. <laughs> I used to have oh no, I shouldn't. <laughs> who was who who was your Andrew Collins? No one, just some some bloke at college. Right. Richard Merring. <laughs> don't don't remember him. No, no, no. he wouldn't. Anyway, uh, I better go on my bike, go home and write the show. There's a lot to do. Unless you want to come back with me. I've got uh, that ventriloquist dummy no. still. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
God, my bike! What's happened to my bike? I couldn't believe it. I chained up my rubbishy old bike under a street lamp in a busy part of Hammersmith. But whilst we've been doing the show, someone had stolen the front wheel and the saddle. Who would do such a thing? They must have a black market value of almost three pounds. The saddle even had a big rip in the side of it. It was useless. Who would want my front wheel and my saddle? Was it someone hoping to build their own quite rubbish unicycle with a much too big wheel and much too short saddle? Uh, Was it one of my many female fans wanting to get that saddle home to sniff it and imagine the things that had touched it and rubbed up against it and also taken the front wheel for some reason as well? Was it Stuart Lee, jealous of me because of my internet success while he stuck performing on the old 20th century medium of television? Or was he giving himself an excuse to give me a lift home, get, get invited in for a coffee so he could pick up where he'd left off at the Edinburgh Fringe 1987? Uh, people here know what I'm talking about. I, uh, I said to him, I can't believe someone would do this. It's amazing. You're taking this very well? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, the weird thing is, I don't really have many ideas for this week's podcast. I reckon I can get five minutes out of this, so every cloud. Uh, did I tell you about the time I got my iPhone stolen? Yes. Yeah. Are you going to include this conversation in the sketch? Yeah, I am. Mm, it's quite postmodern. That's uh, stuff I'm into this week, doing what everything's got like a postmodern thing. Yeah, yeah. Really, because uh, I've moved on from that. Yeah. Most of the good non-elf scripted comedians are doing post-postmodern stuff now. In fact, I have moved on to post-post-postmodern stuff. Now. Please let me be on your TV show. No, no. Come on, I'll give you and your half a bike a lift home. Thanks, Jim. It's the least I could do. Do you think I'd leave you crying <laughs> when there's room in my car for two? It's nice. You know, you know I, think, I think what's happened now, just this, this might make quite a good sketch for your TV show, no. Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle. No, I could play myself. It's not really Nick, interesting Maybe enough. Nick Frost could play me. <laughs> well, from Mummy, from yeah. the two. Mm, he could be me. No, it's not really interesting enough to be a sketch, Rich. In your opinion. Anyway, that was, uh, that was an annoyance to end on the day, and uh, to top it off, when I got back home, I was sick in my own mouth. But, uh, <laughs> but I really want to find out who stole my wheel and my saddle, so do keep your eyes open. If anyone tries to sell you a really shit bike wheel and an even more shitter saddle for £3, then get in touch. No need, Richard. I have your bike saddle and your bike wheel. But who are you? It's me, too. The Anglo-Saxon god of war and law. Really? I thought you'd be a bit more impressive than this. No, I am not. The Anglo-Saxons were easily impressed. So why have you got to vandalise my bike? Because I had seen your half-written sketch and knew you were planning to take the piss out of me. I well deserve to have Tuesday named after me, pal. I'm easily as good as Woden and Saturn, and I am way better than Frigg. You leave Frigg alone, she's my best one. And to show you my immense power, I paid some unemployed elves to acorn cups full of beer to steal your front wheel and your saddle. You're a god, though. Couldn't you have just stolen the whole bike? No, it was delocked. I am not that powerful. <laughs> if you just taken off the front wheel and put it through the D-lock, I would only have the saddle, the torn, rubbish, pungent-smelling saddle. So you, you had a little smell, then? Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> it's easy to be wise in hindsight, isn't it? All right, I'm sorry I mocked you. You're quite a good god. You give, give me my stuff back. No! I am going to use my Anglo-Saxon forces to send your bike wheel flying out into space. And then I am going to fire your saddle at it like a homing missile. And the whole thing will be destroyed. And you'll either have to buy a new bike or get replacement parts. That big a punishment is I'll give you... I'll give you, um... I'll give you three quid for the ones you've got. I'll, I'll take four. Three? No! Launch the spinning wheel now! Got a look. Got a countdown. Look at it spinning round. Now fire the saddle! That's the saddle. That's our game. The sound that sounds like a hoover. Hoovering up. That's the. Yes! Seems contrived. Well, it's post, 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 Martin. Take that, Stuart Lee. 
There, it is destroyed. Do you promise to treat Tuesday with the sanctity it deserves from now on? Yes, I do, Chew. In fact, after this show, I intend to spend the whole of Tuesday in bed asleep. So, uh, <laughs> see you next week, everyone. I'm sorry. Bye! <laughs> and then it occurs to me, it was written and performed by Richard Herring with me, Dan Tessel, TV's Emma Kennedy, Christian Riley did all the musical bits, and it was produced by Ben Walker. With thanks to Damien Caldwell, Kelly Enfield, Alice Russell, Rob Sedbeer, and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. A special thanks to Orange Marker and British Comedy Guy. This is an Avalon Sky Potato Fuzz Coagulation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Thanks for listening. Go to GoFasterStrike.com for all your download needs. Thank you to Chris Evans, as always. Not that one, uh, for the spectacular work he does on all of these podcasts. Uh, RichardHerring.com for all your gigs needs as well. Thanks for listening. Listen to another one. Go on, I dare you.